I was distracted. You ever get that? You just, and it's never the song that I'm playing or singing at the moment. There's just something, and you just kind of have to ride it out to the end of the thing. That's, you ever get the, what they call those earworms? You know, you get a song in your head, they say the only way to get it out is to take it all the way to the end, and then it stops. I don't know if that works or not, but one of the worst ones, and I hate to do this to you folks because it'll stick in your head, is it's a small world after all. Lord, don't get that thing in your head. <laughs> it is awful, but um, I just... Whatever that song was, I just love it, and I, I kind of had to hear the end of it in my head, and and that seems to happen a lot, you know. Uh, I'm I'm ready to turn off the news at the end of the night, and you're getting ready to sleep, and you hear the anchor man just as you're getting the remote up there, and they go, "Stay tuned," because uh, to hear the story about a Florida man did something ridiculous. Now I'm not making fun of Florida, but doesn't it always seem like there's always some sort of Florida man story? In fact, if you Google it, there's a whole web page of a Florida man did this, and it's always something kind of silly. And, and I sit to myself thinking, oh, great, I really need to go to sleep because i got a long day tomorrow. But I'm going to be up another 20 minutes because I have to wait for that to find out what it was. And it's usually something silly like a Florida man and a woman will run over because they're laying in the middle of the street watching the eclipse or something. It's, it's, I'm not making this stuff up. Google a Florida man and your birth date and see what happened on that day in Florida. It's crazy. Um, but things like this happen all the time, don't they? We, we get home at the end of the day or after we've been out running around and we're ready to go inside, relax, and and a song comes on the radio, or maybe a news story, and, and you just have to wait for it, right? You just have to wait for the end of it to see what happens. And it, it's kind of like a Star Wars movie. You know, it always ends the same way. It never changes. Sherry points that out. Why do you have to watch it? It never changes. It's always the same. But you kind of have to commit to the whole experience. So you never mind the family wonders that you're still doing in your car and don't even worry about the neighbors that are looking out and you're doing the air guitar or maybe you're singing into your, uh, your Yeti cup or whatever because you love this song and you're sitting there just listening to it for one more minute. And I, I call these driveway moments and that's what I, I titled this sermon this morning is driveway moments because God is an expert at creating these things for you. Well, not, not exactly like that, but it seems to always be working in some awesome and miraculous way that... that if you're paying attention, you find yourself waiting for the culmination of his work. You may be you're pausing in hopeful expectation of what he's about to do. And can you relate to that? Have you experienced one of these moments where you just know that something great is about to happen? You're on the cusp of something fantastic. And so you're just waiting for this. And I tell you this, that's how you should feel every time you pray. You say your amen, and then you wait with hopeful anticipation of what's going to happen next. Or... Or perhaps it's a time when life is particularly hard and you're waiting for God to pull you through it. And again, you say your amen and you wait with hopeful expectation for what God does next. And the psalmist captures it in these words. This is from Psalm 27, 14. He says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. Take heart, it says. I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, a series I started, actually it was about two years ago this week that, that I started the series, and it was one was Take Courage, and the other one was called Take Value. And the promise, premise was that you have to go get courage. You don't have to become courageous. You don't have to become valuable. You, you take it because it's already there. It's almost like your winter coat that you're carrying with you on a cold day. You're like, you've already got it with you. Just take it. Just put it on. The psalmist says, take heart. Hang on to the faith and the hope that you already have within you and wait for the Lord. Wait for him to answer, to act, or to respond. Or again, the Psalmist 135, he says, I wait for the Lord, my whole being waits, and in his word I put my hope. In his word, he says. 
his word, these are his promises. That is the source of our hope right here in the Bible. It is the written record of the things that we hope for, salvation, forgiveness, rescue, all promises that we don't just wish for. We have a hope, a confident hope, a confident expectation based on a covenant promise from God himself. We don't hope it doesn't rain. We don't hope the Chiefs win this after. Well, we do hope the Chiefs win this after. But this is the hope. This is the real hope we have. It's a confident expectation. We know it's going to happen. We are hopeful. And such is the promise found in Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And that's a lot. And we find ourselves living a series of these driveway moments. Life continues around us. And sometimes we're just waiting for God to act, to finish what he started, or to rescue us from this moment, whatever it is. And we find ourselves just pausing, waiting for the rest of the story. Now, is this a period of anxiety? Or perhaps it's fear over uncertainty? It could be. You know, sometimes it isn't always our favorite song. Sometimes we're waiting to hear maybe some news that may not be so good. But Hebrews 10.36 tells us that we need to persevere so that when we have done the will of God, we will receive what he has promised. And 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. That's your disclaimer. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. We want so much to happen in our time, don't we? God, I know you've got a great plan for me. Now works, you know. Now works, God. Any time you're ready, I'm ready. It doesn't work that way because God knows the perfect timing. And so many times in our life we can look back and go, I'm glad it didn't happen that way when it happened that way because what he did was so much better. And the Apostle Paul wrote this letter from prison in, um, in Romans 8.18. He says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And this is not to say that present sufferings aren't real. He was in prison. And they aren't miserable or uncomfortable because sometimes our present sufferings are pretty darn uncomfortable for us. It's just that God is in control and what lies ahead is so glorious. Proverbs 16.4 has this promise. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Now, since we are believers of the word, we have a relationship with God, the Father, through his Son that redeemed us. And we can claim that promise that the Lord will work out everything to its proper end, or as another uh, translation describes it, the Lord works out everything according to his plan. And that's really the key. And we know that his plans are good and just and seek to bring us closer to him. Prophet Isaiah wrote this in 4031. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. You probably have heard this. They will renew their state. They will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Now, doesn't that sound glorious? The running part doesn't for me. But how often we just feel worn down and we pray for strength. And God only knows, and God now not only renews our strength, he not only you know, builds us back up, but he does what he do, always does. He, he overdoes it. He adds blessing, and our strength is renewed, and we will soar and we will run, and we will not grow weary, and we will walk, and not will be faint. And, and this is that image I was trying to capture last week when we watched that little clip from Rudolph the Red-Nearest Reindeer. Remember, Clarice said he's cute, and he just, wow, you know, he went crazy. She said, I'm cute. I won't do the voice and all that. But remember how he responded? He was just so overjoyed. So when, when God comes into our heart and he takes care of these things, we are renewed, we soar, we run, we, we are not weak, we aren't faint. We are, we're like that. 
Again, that doesn't mean that our present sufferings are any less miserable, but perhaps the hope that you have along with the love of your Heavenly Father and the support of your church family makes it tolerable for that period, however long that period lasts. And I'm a visual person, so I really like the image created in Jeremiah 17, 7 through 8. It says, But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought, and it never fails to bear fruit. Did you catch that? It's a tree planted by the water. Its roots are down deep. So even when there's when there's a drought, when there's heat, the tree flourishes. So friends, where are our roots? Are they in the word? Are they deep-seated in the rich and firm foundation of faith? Because when they are, we flourish even in times of drought and heat. Now this is a pastor story, but this is a good one. I mean, it's a real one. You decide if it's a good one. It's a real one. There's this thing, and, and a lot of cities do it, but Kansas City participates called Corporate Challenge. And what it is is, I don't know how to describe it other than the Olympics for has-beens. Um, a lot of the big companies get teams together and they compete in everything from horseshoes to track and field to all this stuff and it all goes towards Special Olympics. And it's actually quite a bit of fun. It's from April through July. I mean, there's events galore. And in a previous life, I'll call it, uh, BC, before children, um, I was a swimmer. It's unfortunate that I was a good swimmer because it's not really a spectator sport, so no one really cares. You could be a horrible football player and be more famous than a good swimmer, but that's okay. I'm not bitter, clearly. <laughs> but I remember going to the swim meet, and my kids were with me, and this was, um, this was at least 10 years ago now. And my kids were young enough, they were looking, and, and here we are, we're getting ready for, for my event, and they're sitting on the bleachers with me, and, and my son Austin says, I'd rather swim there than over there. And what he was pointing at was, the pool where everybody was competing, you know, it's three to six foot deep. And over there is the diving well. It's like 15 feet deep. And I said, why is that, Austin? And he said, because I can't touch there. And I said, oh, that's good. But, you know, if you know how to swim, it doesn't matter how deep the water is. And sometimes life is like that. If we know, if we have our roots down deep in the water, if we know our foundation is in the word, then it doesn't matter how deep the water is or the troubles come because we already know what to do. And if you're currently in a season of abundance in your life, if everything seems to be going just great, we want to celebrate with you, okay? And we say our, our joys to the Lord when these things happen, and we do birthdays, and we, we celebrate wonderful things. But also encourage you to get your rhythm down while things are good. Get that rhythm down. Just keep swimming, right? Is that what Dory would say, Nemo would say? Just keep swimming. So when it gets tough, you know I stay in the Word. I continue to go to church. I continue to pray. You just keep that rhythm going. Same corporate challenge event, I decided to do the bike race. I'm not a bike rider. I did do the, the uh, MS-151 year as a bucket list item. Um, but what was really neat was they did it at the Kansas Speedway. So if you've never ridden uh, a bicycle on a NASCAR track, it's kind of fun. It's a lot steeper than it looks. But it's a lot of fun. You do a couple laps, three miles on this thing. And, and as I was getting ready for this, I didn't. I borrowed a bike and I hadn't ridden it. Ten, they don't even call them 10 speeds anymore. They're like 18 speeds now. Um, I hadn't ridden it in a while, and I borrowed one. This guy, it was a racing bike, and he had to wear the shoes and clip them in and all that stuff. And, and he was saying, you know, you get your speed going, and you shift before you get to the hill. Because if you guys have ridden a 10-speed, you know what I'm talking about. You're riding, and you get up that hill, and you get, it starts to slow down a little bit, and you shift the gears, and it's just kink, 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 as everything starts to click in. It's not designed to go that way. It's, it shifts smoothly 
And you do that before you get to the tough time so that you can just keep this, they call it a cadence, you know? You, you make a revolution about one every second and a half or just underneath that or about every second. There's about 70 a minute. And then you do that. So if you keep going, it's again, it's the same premise. It says if I have a rhythm to my life and if I need to shift gears, I need to ratchet up my spirituality a little bit because there's some tough stuff coming. I've got a, a doctor's appointment. I've got a diagnosis. I've got a, a child that's getting married. I mean, even good things sometimes call for us to shift these gears. And you just ratchet up before you get there. So when the time comes and you're climbing that hill, you're in the right gear, in the right frame of mind. But continuing back in Paul's letter found in Romans 8.24, For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? Well, when you read that and truly understand it, do you hear the message that there needs to be time of uncertainty, of waiting? God designed it for this to happen, and it's all used for his greater purpose. It's a lot like the message here as we completed a few months ago on the process of growing in faith. And like faith, hope requires us to go beyond what we see and what we understand. When we take this first step, God responds by substantiating our hope, by meeting our needs and showing that he is in control. And he simply says, see, I've got this. And I've had it all along, right? There's that peace. Doesn't make the suffering any less, but you go, okay, I've got this. I've had it long. And then he says, and I've got the next one too. And the one after that. And he says, child of mine, just trust me. Just trust me. So consider that as I read this verse from John 1.16. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. Grace in place of grace. And the message paraphrase says it this way. We all live off his generous bounty, gift after gift after gift. Do you remember the word lavished? We use it in scripture when God describes his love for his children. God lavished it. Something given in generous, extravagant quantities. He lavishes his love on you. And not only is God's love lavish on you, his grace is given again and again and again. And that's not because God knows, well, it is because God knows that we need it that way, right? We only need one dose of grace if we only committed one act of sin or disobedience and that took care of and that's done, but that's not how we do this. Unfortunately, we struggle and God continues to renew his love and kindness in response to our repentance. And he heaps that grace again and we respond to his loving kindness by repenting and we try again and he does that. These driveway moments, waiting, we watch, we, we listen, we should be listening. Perhaps we're hypersensitive to what he does next, either because we're so desperate for something, some sort of sign, or because we are so excited about what he's going to do, you know? Psalm 136, the psalmist says, I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. These are psalms or hymns or poems, so it repeats itself a little bit. But look at this first in a historical context. We see that, Men were shouldered, there were men that were shouldered with responsibility of keeping an eye on the city during the night, to keep it safe and alert others of any danger that comes in the darkness. And, and both peace and rest came at the end of the shift that was marked by the sunrise. So place yourself in the situation, tired, maybe a little bored, perhaps anxious, surrounded by darkness, and you're probably lonely. But you know a time is coming when you'll be relieved, and you can see a little glimpse of the light on the horizon. He says, I wait for the Lord more than the watchmen wait for the morning. More than the watchmen wait for the morning. That's us, waiting for this thing to happen. 
Micah 7, 7 says it this way. But as for me, I watch and hope for the Lord. I wait for God, my Savior. My God will hear me. Or again in Psalm 62, 5. Yes, my soul, find rest in the Lord. My hope comes from Him. Rest and hope. Perhaps that's the culmination of your driveway moment. You are, uh, you, you, you're waiting, anticipating the, the rest and the hope that God has promised. And then there's a fun waiting. This is that excited expectation like, I got something great happening and, and God's involved with it. God's there and I can't wait to see what he does. And then there's this not so fun waiting, this anxious anticipation. Like I've got, I'm waiting on some news and I don't know what it's going to be. And God only knows what comes next, but he has promised that it will be according to his plan and to his timing. So take courage in that. Take hope in that. And take peace in that. And if you're on the other side of one of these moments and you've seen what God has done with it, we want to celebrate with you. Amen and hallelujah to our faithful father for what he's done and continues to do. And if you're in a period where you find yourself waiting on God to act, and, and we've mentioned several of these in our prayer time this morning. We're waiting on God to, to heal this person or bring them peace or, or deliver some good news. I, I want you to know that God is faithful. And he's here and he is moving the pieces around according to his great plan, even if you don't directly see them right in front of you. But you also need to know that you have the love and support of this congregation. And if there's anything we can do to support or encourage you, please don't remain quiet. Whether you come forward or reach out to someone by phone or text or email, let us rally around you while we wait with hopeful expectation together for what he does next. Let's pray. Father God, there are times when we just want to pause and rest. And God, sometimes there's times when we just feel like waiting and is, is the last thing we can stand to do. We're so anxious for whatever comes next, good or bad, and we just want it to happen now. But God, you and your infinite wisdom, with your perfect timing and your perfect plan, are in control of all things. God, sometimes the hardest thing we can do is wait. So sometimes when we have these driveway moments, when we're just sitting there waiting for something to play out or waiting for something to happen next, help us to take peace, to take hope, to take courage, to take confidence in you. God, let us place our roots deep in your word, deep in your covenant promises of all that you've said. God, so when we get in the deep waters, when we come to that challenge on that hill, even when things are going well now, that we are in the right place, the right frame of mind to handle it. And God, when we are, put people in our path that need that kind of encouragement as well. Father God, this church is such a powerful, impactful tool that you use to further your kingdom, to further the relationships that you want between us and through you. God, may we always be receptive to our calling. And as always, I want to pray for the empty places in the pews. I want to thank you for the opportunities that they remind us are to invite people into relationship with you. God, particularly this Sunday, I want to pray for the beauty of the earth, the thankful, how thankful we are, the changing of the season, the, the cool morning fog, the beautiful leaves, all such a reminder of the seasons of life and the miraculous creation you've you come up with we thank you for that let us all be good stewards of it
And we give this service and stay to you. Amen.